I said he's amazing. You know how amazing he is? That he takes a 70-year-old pastor who retired after 40 years and he brings him back into the ministry and he brings him to this beautiful church. That's amazing. I want to thank Pastor Ed for giving me the privilege to bring the word today. He's traveling. I think he's in France. So, parlez-vous français, Pastor? And um, I'm so glad to be here. I have the privilege of pastoring a beautiful ministry here, Calvary Espanol. Are they in the house today, Calvary Espanol? Could Calvary Espanol please stand up? Se pueden poner de pie todo lo que son de Calvary Espanol. Come on now. Come on now. We're growing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to recognize uh, somebody, somebody who's very special in my life. She's the mother of my seven children. She's the grandmother of my nine grandchildren. That's my amazing wife, Sweetie or Nereida. This July, we're going to be married 42 years. She deserves a medal. As a matter of fact, she deserves a kiss. Can we stand this morning for the reading of the word? And this is a quick announcement. Don't forget that this Wednesday, we have our united service, our prayer service, our worship service at 7 o'clock. So we want you to come out and join us for our Wednesday prayer service. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Galatians chapter 3, 1 to 5. I have to switch this morning because I'm so used to speaking in Spanish. Now I got to switch to my second language, which is English. How many love that flag? How many love that flag? I have the privilege of honoring two flags. I'm for the Caribbean, beautiful island called Puerto Rico. I was born there. And we have our flag, and I honor that flag. But this flag here is special to me because it brings us all together as one. How many praise the Lord? Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Are you with me? I'll be reading from, from the Amplified Version. Oh, I thank them. I thank God that they lowered this podium. If, if they would have left it uh, the way Pastor has it, it would be up here. Oh, you foolish and thoughtless and superficial Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you would act like this? To whom, right before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified in the gospel message. This is all I want to ask you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as the result of obeying the requirements of the law? Or was it the result of hearing the message of salvation? 
with faith, believing it. Are you so foolish and senseless, having begun your life by faith with the Spirit, are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? That is, by your own works and efforts to keep the law. Have you suffered so many things and experienced so much all for nothing? If indeed it was all for nothing, then does he who supplies you with his marvelous Holy Spirit and works miracles among you do it as a result of the works of the law which you perform? Or because you believe confidently in the message which you heard with faith? Just as Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Permit me this morning to speak on the topic, born again to be free. Born again to be free. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you because today we stand here free because of what Christ did on Calvary. Holy Spirit, liberate our spirit so that we can receive your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen, you may be seated. In a few days, we will be celebrating this country's independence. July 4, 1776, the Second Continental Congress approved the Declaration of Independence, declaring America's independence from the tyranny and oppression of Great Britain. You all know these famous words that are found in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When we read these lines, we know without a shadow of a doubt that God's fingerprints are on this document. As a matter of fact, if you, build, if you read the Bill of Rights and you read the Constitution, you're going to know his footprint is on each one of these documents. As a matter of fact, you will find God's name four times written in the Declaration of Independence. So our founding fathers were men who had a reverence and fear of God. Were they perfect? No way. But let me bring two quotes from two of our founding fathers. First, John Adams, who was actually the, the author of the, of the Declaration of Independence. And this is what John Adams wrote, our second president. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believe and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. What was he saying? that in the Declaration of Independence, you'll notice that the principles of a Christianity are there. John Quincy Adams, our uh, sixth president, said this, 
in the chain of human events, the birth of the nation is firmly linked with the birth of the Savior. The Declaration of Independence layeth the cornerstone of human governments upon the first precepts of Christianity. So you notice that our founding fathers had a fear of God, had a love of God. They were men of prayer. And as they wrote these tremendous documents, we know that God's sovereignty led them. So as we celebrate this nation's freedom, we also need to remember that it was possible because of God, because of the sovereignty of God. So if we're a free nation today, it's because we're a nation that recognizes God's sovereignty. How many say amen? Born again to be free. Born again to be free. Two concepts. First one, born again. I think in this country, we use this term a little too loosely, especially professing Christians. Now, what is a professing Christian? He's a person that says he's accepted Christ as his personal Savior. He's a person that says, hey, my sins have been forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. But when we study this person's life, we notice that his life doesn't line up with what the Bible says about Christianity and about being born again. Far from it. Far from it. You see, when you're born again, there's a radical change that happens in your life. You deny yourself. You pick up your cross, which is your responsibility. You become his disciple and you follow him. So when we say that we're born again, we're saying that we had a radical change in our life. What is the new birth? What actually happens? What changes? What comes into being that wasn't there before? Well, you go from darkness to light. How many praise the Lord? You go from hopelessness to hope. Somebody say amen. You go from brokenness to wholeness, from confusion to clarity, from sinner to saint. Ah, you didn't hear me. <laughs> you go from sinner to saint. By the way, you're a saint. Oh, that was weak. You're a saint. It's interesting that every time Paul wrote to, the, to his churches, he would always start by saying, to the saints. You see. Are you perfect? No. But let's, let's see what saint, being saint is all about. The word saint comes from the Greek, Greek word haggais, which means concentrated, uh, consecrated to God, holy, sacred, and pious. Consecrated to God, holy, sacred, and pious. You're holy, you're sacred, you're consecrated, you're separated, and now you are a saint. Hey, why don't you turn to somebody and say, you're a saint. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're a saint. How do we become holy and consecrated? Well, we were called by God. 
We were called by God, Romans 8.30. Those whom he called, he justified. He made you right before God because you were a sinner, you were lost, you were separated from God. But he made a calling upon your life. Naturally, you had to respond. Because the Holy Spirit came into your life and he began to work in your life and you responded to the call of God. How do you become a saint? We were drawn to Christ, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws him. Somebody today used the word magnetic. Christ is magnetic. Christ has a magnetic personality. How many praise the Lord? That's why you see in the Gospels that there was always a crowd around him because he was a man of authority. He had this magnetic personality. He drew people. And so now that we are born again, we were drawn by God. We were illuminated or our hearts were illuminated by God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God has shown in our hearts To give the light of the knowledge, I love this, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit illuminated us to who God is and his glory. When you're born again, God takes the heart of stone out and gives us a heart of flesh. Man, were we tough. Man, was our hearts so stony when we were in the world. But God came in, Christ came in, and he gave us a a, a new heart, a heart of flesh. Ezekiel puts it this way. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And then, when we were reborn, he made us alive. We became alive. You see, before you knew the Lord, you existed from day to day. You were actually a zombie. But now, Paul says, we were made alive. That's why I love being in the Pentecostal church. Come on, say amen. I love Baptists. I love Lutheran. I love Methodists. I've, I've worshipped in all those churches. As a matter of fact, I was in a Methodist church many years ago. Great word. Beautiful worship. They don't raise their hands. You know what they do when they're going to worship the Lord? They take their program and they flutter it. They don't say a word. And I was sitting there. I said, oh, my God, it sounds like birds all over the sanctuary. That's the way they praise God, and that's okay. But let me tell you about Pentecostalism. Let me tell you about the assemblies of God. We worship God differently. We're alive because Christ is alive. And on the third day, he resurrected, and we express it through very lively music. So when we're born again, we become alive. Hallelujah. So that being born again. But there's a second word, which is freedom. We read about freedom. We dream about freedom. We rejoice in the notion of freedom. We teach it. We advocate it and hope for freedom. But what do we mean by freedom? Paul, in this emergency letter to the Galatians, answers this question. True freedom 
is being right with God. And this happens when we accept Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross by faith and not by works. So we become truly free when we hear the word of God. When the Holy Spirit divides our, 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 our soul and our spirit and, and we know we need a change in our life and we accept the sacrifice of Christ on the cross by faith, through grace, by Jesus Christ. We become free and free from the works of the law which Paul deals so much in this letter. This is what Paul had taught the Galatian church. But there was a problem. They were drifting. They were drifting from the doctrines that Paul had taught them. What happened was there were some new members that had come into the church. And they started teaching. And the Galatians, without checking them out, put them as teachers. And they were bringing false doctrines. As a matter of fact, they were bringing the Galatians back to the law. Back to the obedience of the law. Back to circumcision. And they were telling the Galatians, hey, if you want to be saved, you have to do the works of the law. Paul writes to the Galatians, and he uses two words that really are interesting. He says to them, oh, you foolish Galatians. In our vernacular, What's wrong with you? What are you thinking, man? You're not thinking. You're being led the wrong way. You're drifting. And then he uses a stronger word. <laughs> Who bewitched you? In other words, the devil had something to do with this. <laughs> Who bewitched you? Who put a spell on you that you would go back into slavery. Now listen to me. I've been a pastor a long time. And I've seen a lot of people come through my church, two churches that I pastor. And you see people come to the Lord. God works a tremendous miracle in their hearts. Tremendous. When I was in Connecticut, I had an inner city ministry. I mean, we dealt with gangs and drugs and you name it, we had to deal with it. And I would see these drug addicts come into the church, come to the altar, instantaneously healed. And, and that oppression and those chains of drugs, in, they didn't even have to go to programs. That's how powerful God came into their lives. Amen. And they began to serve the Lord. And they went from darkness to light, from brokenness to wholeness. But then they began to drift. So many Christians, this happens to so many Christians. You see, the drift doesn't occur slowly. It, it takes time to drift, you see. You, you forget to uh, get up in the morning and meet Jesus. Because Amen. if you meet Jesus in the morning, he'll walk with you all day. Amen. <laughs> you forgot to read your Bible. You got to read your Bible, you see, because that's the nourishment, that's the food that you need every day for your spirit, just as your body needs food. And boy, some of us really eat good. Just as your body <laughs> needs food, your spirit needs the word to feed on the word. And, and, and Pentecostals, don't forget fasting. Amen. Come on now, don't forget fasting. 
That time that you come before the Lord and you leave McDonald's and Burger King, okay, for a while and you consecrate yourself to God and you say, God, I, I, I come before you in sacrifice. Oh, we don't have to sacrifice. That's good. So, oh, yes, you do. Certain things we got to do, there's certain exercise, you got to pray, you got to read your Bible, you, you got to fast, uh, you got to come to church, and here's a good one, you got to give your tithes. <laughs> so Paul, freedom, we're talking about freedom, freedom comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but Paul calls the Galatians, you fools, and, and Paul says more, he says, I presented Christ to you like if he was crucified right before you. I explained the gospel to you. Let me tell you about being in this church. You're going to get the pure word of God. What comes from this pulpit every Sunday is the word of God, an uplifting word that will change you, that will transform you, that will feed you and perfect you so that you can be a saint before God. Foolish Galatians. So Paul, once again, has to present the promises that are made to the believer. He, he, he wants to wake them up because they were in a sort of a spiritual slumber and sleep. They, they were drifting and they were going back to the law. And, and the law was given to direct you to Jesus. The law was given to direct them to, to the Messiah, to Jesus. The law couldn't justify you. It couldn't make you righteous. It, it, it couldn't save you. On the contrary, because you couldn't keep it. It was a curse. Paul says, listen, it was a curse, but Christ became a curse for you, and he died to take the curse from you. So it's not by works, it's by faith in Jesus Christ, and by grace. So Paul reminds him of seven promises that are made to the believer Seven promises that are made to, believe, to the believer. Number one, as a believer, you have a new freedom. You have a new freedom. Verse 23 and 20 to 25. Now before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, perpetually imprisoned, in preparation for the faith that was destined to be revealed. With the result that the Lord law has become our tutor and our disciplinary to guide us to Christ so that we may be justified, that is declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right standing with God by faith. But now that faith has come, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. We don't live by the law, by the works of the law because we couldn't keep it. But now... We are standing with God by faith. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under the control or authority of the tutor or the disciplinarian. Again, the law was given to reveal our sin. That's what the law was. It brought conviction of our sin. 
The law was given to reveal our sin, our need of Jesus Christ. The law could not save or make us righteous. The law condemned us because it arose within us the desire to do the very thing we know is wrong. What? Yeah. Have you ever seen a a sign that says, wet paint don't touch? Come on, on this side, let's be honest. Have you ever seen a sign that said, wet paint don't touch? What do you usually do? You touch it. It arouses within you this temptation. That's what the law did. It aroused sin. And Paul says that. And so we were condemned. But in verse 24, that vicious cycle of sin is broken with justification. At the moment we come to Christ for salvation, God declares us righteous and wipes away the record of our guilty disobedience. The law that condemned us now has no power over us. And then Paul talks about the law of sin. The law of sin has no power over the Christian. It's been broken. We're free. You can say no. Before, we couldn't say no. We didn't have the power. We didn't have the authority. We didn't have the Holy Spirit. But Jesus told the boys, listen, I'm leaving. I got to get out of here, but I'm going to leave you a counselor. I'm going to give you something that is not going to be not only around you, it's going to be in you and give you the power to not sin. So you don't have to sin. You can say, no, don't come to me. Oh, pastor, please. I try, but I keep falling in sin because you are not saying no and meaning it. And you don't have the help of the Holy Spirit because that's the only way you're going to make it with the hope, help of the Holy Spirit. The law that condemns us now has no power over us. We are set free from the trap of trying to please God by our own behavior. This is true freedom. And it comes only to those who trust in Christ. Number two, a new identity. Verse 26, you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That is an astounding, amazing, radical statement. You are now children of God, the sons of God. Before we were the sons of, now we're the sons of God. That's radical. That's incredible. A new identity. Paul boldly declared that everyone who believes in Jesus is now a son or a daughter of the living God. Our identity has radically changed. Again, again, once we were in the kingdom of uh, darkness, now we're in the kingdom of life. By grace, we have been transformed into the family of God and given new identity. And by the way, this is to all believers without exceptions. You are a son of God. This change of identity is only for those who have faith in Jesus Christ. So listen, the notion of the universal universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man, I have a problem with that. I think it's more biblical to say we are God's creation, but not all of us are sons and daughters of God. In order to 
qualify that or qualify in being a son, we have to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We have to put our faith in Christ. We have a new identity. Number three, and I've got to hurry up. The new relationship. Verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. We have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Notice they're baptized. Baptized into Christ. As we come to him in faith, the Holy Spirit graciously places us in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. How many thank God for the Holy Spirit? That, he does that. He places you. He baptizes you. He puts you in to the body of Christ. And of course, then we have the, the water baptism that you should do once you accept Jesus Christ. You should get baptized. It's, it's one of the commandments. You should do it because it symbolized that you die and you resurrected to a new life. So baptize into Christ. But then Paul says more, which is exciting. Put on Christ. What a statement. Put on Christ. Be clothed with Christ. Put on the robes of the character of Jesus Christ. So what happens is you exchange the tattered rags of the old life. Mm. The, you change the tattered rags of the old life for the beautiful robes of the character of Jesus Christ. So listen, the old life is gone forever. Ah, oh, come on. The old life is gone forever. The old addiction is gone. The swearing is gone. The lies are gone. The evil relationships are gone. The sinful habits are gone. Anger is gone. Lust is gone. We're free. We're free. We're free. You're making me preach this morning. All of it must go out the door when Jesus comes in. Amen. What does the well-dressed Christian wear? He wears the character of Jesus Christ. Amen. We belong to him. We belong to him. Thank you, Jesus. I take a moment and I get a little choked up. But you don't know my story. Age of 16, I, I, I became rebellious. Left the church. My father was a pastor. Went into a radical revolutionary group. Messed up. Didn't know which way was up or down into communism. Used to teach that religion was the opium of people. Got in trouble, went to jail. I have marks on my body to prove the beatings I got. So this is real to me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is real to me. Amen. That God would take a sinner like me and give me another chance. And not only that, because he not only calls you, but he brings you into the family of God. And not only that, he says, hey, come here, I can use you in the kingdom. 
And I got converted, went to Bible school, I'll never forget. Second month I'm there, the FBI showed up. <laughs> Principal calls me and he says, hey, come here. You had some friends visit you. They wanted to make sure you were here. I said, who are they? Who, who are they? Who came? The FBI. I said, oh, they found out. That's where God took me from. From brokenness to wholeness. Hallelujah. We got to give you our testimony one of these days. We belong to him. Say to somebody next to you, we belong to him. A new standing, verse 28. We are all one in Christ regardless of race, social standing, and gender. No prejudice here, brother. No racial prejudice here. You got a problem if you go to Calvary. We are multicultural, multi-ethnical. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. A new standing. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ. Let me tell you, some of the most powerful uh, preachers I've ever heard are women. Come on, women. God doesn't favor one race or ethnic group over another. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Let me repeat again. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. This is true Christianity. And Christ is the best, I mean, I'm sorry, Calvary is the best example of this. We are multicultural, multi-ethnic. I'll prove it to you. I have the privilege of supervising all the cultural ministries in Calvary. Let me see if they're here. All my Portuguese brothers, where are you? Portuguese, you're not here today. Okay, they meet. Where are they? Come on. Stand up. Come on. Even if you're one. Come on. We just launched this ministry. We just launched the Portuguese ministry. All right? Where's uh, our Haitian ministry? Haitian. Are they here? Are they downstairs? Okay. I thought they were going to be with us today. Come on. Give a big clap for our Haitian ministry. Now listen to this. In September, we'll be launching our new African ministry. Pastor Claude and Courtney, where are you? Where are you? Here they are. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Soon, hopefully, we'll be launching a Middle East ministry. I'm looking to launch a deaf ministry. Come on now. Come on now. And by the way, we have a Hispanic Calvary Espanol ministry. I'll stop when I hear the piano. We are all God's children. Number five, a new promise. Verse 29, we are heirs to everything God promised his children. 
And if you be in Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, not seeds, seed, one, and heirs according to the promise. Listen, all the promises God gave Abraham are ours. They're ours. There's over 40 promises that God made to Abraham. Within those promises, forgiveness of sin, justification by faith, eternal life, family of God, multiplication and fruitfulness, blessed to be blessed. To be blessed to be a blessing. All those promises are ours. How many praise God for that? New promises. There's promises of healing for you that are sick today. You received that doctor's note that you got some type of rare disease and you're going to die. You ain't going to die. Amen. And if you do, it's okay because it's going to die is the disease, not you. Amen. Because you see, let me tell you something. And I heard this a long time ago. There are people in this earth that will be born once or die twice. <laughs> there are people in this world that will be born twice and only die once. So the people that are born once and die twice are the ones that are never born again. Because they are born once physically and then they die physically and spiritually because they're separated from God. Ah, but the born again Christian is different. We're born twice. We're born twice. We're born physically. But we're born of the Spirit. And we only die once. And then we go to eternity. Come on, shout, 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 shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, there's a lot of steps. So that's a new promise. Number six, we're almost finishing. A new position. uh, Chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. We have full rights in the family of God. Listen to me. We have full rights in the family of God. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth this son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of son. Two words, redeem. Redeem means to be set free from slavery by the payment of a price. Christian, you were. God paid a heavy price for you. You know, we take that, that text for God so loved the world, you have no imagination. You couldn't imagine what that really means. That he would give his son. Would you give your son? I ain't giving him up my son. I got seven of them. No way. No, for you? No way. God loved us so much. He gave the darling of heaven. He gave the best because you were worth it. Back there, you were worth it. Maybe you're here today the first time and you feel worthless. I'm going to tell you, you have a lot of worth before God. He gave his only begotten son for you. You're worth it. We have a new position. We've been redeemed. And then we've been adopted to be brought into a family and given full rights as a son, as a child. So I have the rights 
of anybody else in the kingdom. So I've been serving God for a lot of years, but if you accept Jesus today, you'll become his son and you'll have the same rights I have. A new position. Full rights. Because we're children of God. We come as full members of the family with rights and privileges equal to those that have come before us. Number seven, breathe a little bit. We have a new assurance. Four, chapter four, six and seven. We have the Holy Spirit who teaches us to say, Abba, Father. Now this was radical. This was radical. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, a slave, but a son. And of a son, then a heir of God through Jesus Christ. A son. And we can call him Abba. This blew away Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews because they didn't pronounce the word of God. It was too holy. And here comes Jesus himself. I'll give you a better word. I want you to call him Daddy. I want you to call him Dada. Quiero que lo llame Papa. Quiero que lo llame Dada. Porque ahora tenemos una nueva relación con Cristo. Y ahora lo podemos llamar Abba Padre. Now we have a new relationship with Christ. And we have this assurance that we're children of God. And we can say Abba, Daddy. We have that personal relationship with Him. No longer is there a barrier. No, because when Christ died, <laughs> the earth shook. And the curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. Now we have access directly to the presence of God and we can call him Abba, Daddy. Born again to be free. Born again to be free. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.